Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to a very special short mini-pod episode of the Transfer Window Podcast as myself, Ian McGarry and Duncan Castles preview the massive Champions League quarter-final tie between Manchester City and Liverpool. It's the second leg. Of course, Liverpool are three goals up after a titanic tie at Anfield. Now, our man Duncan Castles was at City's training ground and spoke to Pep Guardiola about the game and asked him some pretty tough questions. Pep, you've been here almost two years now. You've had the best support of any manager in football ever in terms of restructuring your team. Almost 600 million euros in transfer fees in two years. I'm a lucky guy. I'm a lucky guy, I'm sorry. I know that people say that is the reason why. I'm a lucky guy, I'm sorry. If it looks at the moment like you'll finish those two years with two titles... If that's the case, two titles, two Champions League quarterfinals, is that a good return from your perspective on those two years and the, and the support you've had as a, as a lucky guy at Manchester City? So I don't know, is the question for the chairman. For you, do you, are you satisfied with it? Did you feel it was your target after two years? I'm so, so happy we have done this year. So, so happy. And I, I can assure you one thing. I know your intention and your question. It's impossible to do that the way we play the results we achieve without top players. It's impossible. And today the top players cost a lot of money. It's impossible. When the people say you win because you spend six, I don't know, in two years how many money we spend in two years, I don't know, in the past, in these two seasons, I would say something. You are right. You are right. So it's impossible to do that without money. Impossible, the way we played. And afterward, when you go semi-final, quarter-final, semi-finals, all the teams are in a high, high level, so we play, so that's, that can happen. But the way the constancy in the way we played in that, in that situation is that. So when, when say, uh, you can do that, Pep, what you have done in Barcelona and Bayern Munich or that, without that players is able to do that? No, it's impossible. So be calm. I am completely with you. We need money to buy and to play in that level all the time. Only I say, all the teams around the world, maybe in two years we spend more, maybe, but you were the average in five, ten years, a lot, a lot of teams play, spend a lot of money. Yeah, After yeah. that is the way we play. The idea we play, that is personal for the way we decide the managers. That is, you can compare. But to achieve that results, you need business investments. If yeah. not miracles, I'm not able to do that. And seeing what's happened in the Champions League. Sorry? And seeing what's happened in the Champions League with that investment, does it tell you you need more, better players to be able to get no. to the final? No, I said to still we are in the, in the Champions League. So next, next Tuesday night, I invite you to see the magnificent game here at the stadium. Simon is going to give you a turn to talk to me and uh, ask me the question. I'm going to analyze about the Champions League if it's good enough or not enough. For some people, will say yes, knowing our past, 
but uh, I think what I saw in 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 Anfield, we I think we made a step forward in terms of personality to play these kind of games, mm-hmm. like I never said before. Uh, last season we are not able to have the feeling that we are ready to compete in Europe. Right now, still, I think we are not still ready to win the Champions League, but we make a step forward. And and in that competition, is something special in terms of the you know the quality of the opponents and everything can happen. But I think we make a, a magnificent group of stage. Um, the first game in Basel was so, so good. And OK, we'll have one more game. We're going to see what happens. OK, Duncan, it's fair to say a frost seemed to descend over the press room there. How did it feel to be on the end of Pep Guardiola's consternation? I, I've, I've had far worse than that in, in my uh, journalistic career. And, and I, I, you know, the, the point of putting the question is to, to get... Um, uh, a detailed and a, a, a an impassioned answer, if if, uh, if the subject's prepared to to give it, and um, I just felt that that was that is one of the key issues to to be addressed in terms of a, a review of where Manchester City are as a club. I mean, we, we've had a whole season of uh, endless articles and people saying that this could be indeed so many people saying this is the greatest Premier League football team ever. We had even had um, Jurgen Klopp after the game at Anfield saying that they'd beaten the best team in the world. Um, and Jurgen Klopp, uh, before uh, tonight's game, talking about going up against the best manager in the world. And I think all of these things are up for question. And um, the, the, the question, the key point I wanted to get from, from Pep Guardiola was whether he was satisfied with what he'd achieved, having had the best part of 600 million euros um, committed to transfer fees alone, the biggest spend ever. And, and you know, you heard, you heard what he had to say, and it was, I think, equivocal. What was your view, Ian? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's our job as journalists to ask hard questions. Um, we are not patsies who just, you know, throw one up. Or certainly, Duncan and I are certainly not from the school of patsies. There are some out there who just throw up the, the ball and, and wait for Pep to put it away. And I've been on the end of his ire on a few occasions as well when I asked a difficult question. So um, I think his his mood or attitude was interesting because um, he's had a lot of very good press. One would say almost flawless publicity this season because his team has run away with the Premier League and the manner in which they've played and everything else. When you look at the... Let's, let's put the context on the Manchester derby when they could have won uh, the Premier League on, on Saturday evening and he had £100 million worth of centre-backs um, on the bench and conceded three goals in the second half um, to a Manchester United team who, as Jose Mourinho pointed out, maybe are just a little bit better than people say they are and maybe the manager's a little better than people say as well. And Guardiola is someone who's a complex character uh, who has darkness and light in him I think we've seen mostly light this season because things have gone well. Um, it'll be very interesting tonight. And I say the context of the last two defeats um, in key games. And remember, this is the sharp end of the season as well, Johnny. You cannot run away from the fact that it's a quarterfinal first leg at Anfield. It's, you can win the, the title against your great rivals at, in, in front of your own supporters. He's lost both. And I think there'll be a bit of dark pep happening 
um, ahead of tonight's game. Uh, I, I think I think we all expect that he'll go back to his the system that has been tried and trusted this season, and he has to obviously score three goals minimum to even take the tie into extra time. His team have to score three goals. So this is a massive, massive ninety minutes plus added time for Pep Guardiola in his career. Context uh, historically is he's not won the Champions League since he was at Barcelona. Three semi-finals with Bayern Munich, and uh, last year quarter-final with Manchester City in what was a shambolic defeat to Monaco um, when they should have won, uh, and also now three 0 down. Now the paymasters of Manchester City did not bring Pep Guardiola to the Etihad Stadium to win the Premier League or the FA Cup or the League Cup. They brought him because they want to win the world's premier club competition, which is the Champions League. That's what they pay him the money for. That's why they've invested the 600 million euros uh, approximation that Duncan mentioned in players, because they need that trophy to give Manchester City the kudos and prestige that they believe will enhance Abu Dhabi's reputation throughout the world. That's why they're in this game. That's why they're at Manchester City. If City go out tonight, not with a bang, but with a whimper, this will be highly embarrassing to... um, the Abu Dhabi uh, owners of Manchester City and to Pep Guardiola. I'm just, I just going to say, I think one of the, the most interesting parts of Guardiola's answer to those questions was when he said he felt the club, the team, wasn't ready to win the Champions League yet. And that's that, I think, was one of those revealing parts because you rarely will hear a manager who's still in a competition say he doesn't think his team can win the competition when he's the manager of a club of that stature. We saw Jose Mourinho after he got knocked out by Sevilla saying, I knew this team wasn't ready to win the Champions League, but I can't tell you that beforehand because I can't say to you, this team isn't good enough while I'm still in the competition. If Guardiola thinks that, you've got to ask, why aren't they good enough to win the competition yet? And really, stepping back, and looking at last season, they got knocked out in the quarterfinal because of a tactical error to, to an inferior team, to an inferior club, because of a tactical error by Guardiola. He had a, he had a two-goal advantage going to Monaco, and he decided to attack a team that were, are brilliant on the counter-attack um, to try and bury the game early, and, it, and fell flat in his face, got knocked out. He's now in a position where it looks like... and. We'll see what happens tonight. But he's in—he's certainly in dire straits in another quarterfinal against an inferior club with inferior resources where he's made a huge tactical error in the first game that's put his team into trouble. So that game was fascinating in that uh, ahead, of, ahead of the first leg, he'd said, um, we are the perfect opponents for Liverpool. And I'd been asked, well, do you not change the way you play? because you realise they're the perfect opponents. I said, no, how, how, can I, how can I spend the whole season convincing the players to play a certain way and then tell them to change it on the eve of a game like this? And he did change it. He changed his midfield setup um, using Gundogan as a kind of half-winger, half-right-side um, midfielder. He put Laporte, a centre-back who hates players running at him, against Mo Salah, the, the, the best um, striker, in the Premier League at the moment. And he moved De Bruyne's position um, to be just in front of the defence. And what happened was the normal passing angles and the, the normal 
the expectation from City players of where the ball would be fell apart. And you saw, you saw them, instead of passing their way out of trouble and creating chances with passes, which is what they've won the Premier League with and what they've been so brilliant at this season, they're trying to dribble through the, through the best pressing team in England in the, just from just outside their own penalty box. And, and the whole City system that we've all enjoyed and reveled in this year fell apart in the space of uh, 40 minutes because of a tactical decision the manager had made. So that would tell you he's in, you know, it's not, I, I don't think you can argue it's about the personnel or purely about the personnel here. I think there is, there is an argument to be made that he needs, he probably needs a bit more experience top Champions League game players in the squad because he does tend to have a young squad but that's also a decision he's taken because he likes to have younger, more malleable players but it's not just about the personnel he's making mistakes in key games that have cost City last season and cost City at Anfield and probably will cost them their Champions League, uh, their chance of a Champions League semi-final this season Do we have to start giving Jurgen Klopp <coughs> the respect that he deserves for setting up his team in such a way that they are very, very dangerous. And managers like Mourinho will have to change their game to tactically stifle them. Yeah, I, 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 just, look, Klopp, Klopp didn't play. The, the, the mistake, if you want, between it, that, that resulted in the outcome at Anfield was that Klopp told his players to believe in themselves, believe in the way they've played all season and go out there and get a result. Regular listeners will have heard me say this before. My experience with professional footballers is that if you give them an excuse to fail, they will fail. And I've spoken to players who, before games, have seen, you know, have got a team lineup, and let's say their best player or one of their best players has been left out for one reason or another, and they go into that game feeling like they're a man short. If you change the tactics, like Guardiola did at Anfield, the way they've been playing all season then you've put it in the head of your players, this is your responsibility, Mr Guardiola, that you've put it then that we can't win this game. Our manager is scared that if we go out and play a normal game, we'll get hammered. So we might get hammered or we might lose. So they've gone in thinking, feeling, if you like, even subconsciously, that they were going to lose that game at Anfield and they capitulated in 32 minutes to be 3-0 down. So Guardiola has to be a responsibility for what happened. Now, let's look forward to this evening's game. How are these teams going to set up tonight? Is What Guardiola tried to do was surprise Liverpool by the way that he set his team out and by the, his team selection. There's going to be no surprise tonight um, when Manchester City at home. So what does Klopp do? This, is the, going to be the, this will be the deciding factor in if this is a, run, a close-run thing. Does Klopp go out and tell his team to do the same as at Anfield? to play the same way, to play with belief, to play with the same style and the same counter-attacking um, sort of game that they have perfected over the course of this season to very good effect? Or does he do make the same mistake Guardiola did at Anfield by saying, no, I'm going to play an extra man in midfield, I'm not going to play 4-3-3, I'm going to tell my most attacking players that their primary responsibility is tracking back and defending and therefore keeping our or at least trying to protect our three-goal lead. That's going to be the key, I think, to tonight's game. I don't think Klopp is going to do that. I think Klopp is, as I said last week, Liverpool need this more, need this semi-final. They're hungrier for it than a Manchester City team who've worked very hard to put themselves as, make themselves Premier League champions. I think Klopp 
we'll play on the break. I think Liverpool will score tonight, which will effectively end the tie. I do expect Manchester City to win, though. But I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, it, I don't think, or at least, I think Klopp's intelligent enough not to make the same mistake as Guardiola did last week. I think, I think Klopp, he, he can basically play the same way as he did last week. <laughs> the, the system they used there, which was... Uh, intensive pressing when City have the ball, but be defensive. Everyone was defensively aware, and then hit counter attack. They know that they know, they know the spaces will be there in behind for them to attack, and they know basically if they score one goal, that's it. Um, the the game should be theirs. So he doesn't really need to adapt that much from his, his standard setup to 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 get the goal they require to to, to make them safe. One of the big talking points from that game was obviously Liverpool fan behaviour prior to the match. Now, it certainly it was uh, very visually interesting to look at in terms of all the videos that were coming out on social media, but there was a more sinister edge to it, wasn't there, Duncan? I think it's probably three weeks ago we talked about it in the podcast when we were pre- previewing the quarterfinals, and it was just, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen um, as many people this um, attempt to organise a welcome in inverted commas, for the Manchester City bus and, and asking fans to bring uh, flares and pyrotechnics. Um, and uh, I can't remember what the exact phrase was, but send them back to Manchester and um, something along those lines. And, it, 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 you know, it, this was picked up on by the police, by Manchester City and to an extent by the football club as a you know, premeditated attempt to, to intimidate their opponents. And, and, it, and it turned into exactly that. I mean, there's, you, can't, you can't mix your words about this. They, 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 that bus was attacked, and it was a premeditated attack um, organised by the Liverpool fans. Um, and Manchester City are extremely unhappy about it. Um, they have not said much publicly in the past week because they know um, it's not a good look. To, to lose a game three 0 and complain about um, your welcome as guests to the ground and having the bus smashed up, so they're not making public statements. But I can tell you that people at Manchester City feel that Liverpool Football Club did not make the effort required to liaise with their supporters and convince them to um, welcome the opposition bus in a non-violent fashion. I mean, they, they, there's no reason why they can't line the streets. Boo, and um, I, I don't think they should be letting off flares because flares are dangerous. There's a, re- there's a law in the country about not setting off fireworks in, in crowded spaces and public spaces. And the reason is because someone will end up getting hurt doing that. So I think that's something Liverpool have to control. Um, but they, they now have a problem. They have a problem because um, they've been charged with UEFA by, for this. And you would have to say that the logical... Um, thing for UEFA to do in this situation is to um, have a stadium ban. So say to Liverpool, we're not going to allow any fans into the next um, home Anfield uh, Champions League tie. The thing, you know, you pride yourself on your atmosphere, but if you can't control your fans outside the stadium, and there were were also flares going off inside the stadium, then we're going to have a game without any fans, and that'll be your punishment. And maybe that's the punishment required to to get Liverpool to take control of their supporters. I think, unfortunately, Duncan, <clears throat> we both know from experience that, that what UEFA should do and what UEFA actually do, especially when it involves one of their elite historic clubs uh, that come within under their uh, jurisdiction, 
um, are two different things. And I agree with you. I don't think this kind of behaviour can be tolerated or even um, indulged to the point where it, there's a, even a threat of it happening again. Um, I think a stadium ban would be, um, in this case, uh, the right punishment. But I think we'll see the old uh, Swiss francs fine imposed instead. And, They've let uh, Turkish clubs away with this sort of behaviour for years, though, haven't they? Uh, no, I think you'll find there's been a lot of stadium bans in Turkey, actually, Johnny, over the years. Um, maybe uh, after suspensions, uh, a, a suspended stadium ban, whereby if the behaviour reoccurs, then the suspended stadium ban it, you know, kicks in. Mm. Now, to suspend, sorry, to have a stadium ban for a semi-final of the Champions League, can we really see UEFA allowing their pr- blue ribbon competition to in, in its semi-final stage to be seen by no one, just the cameras. I mean, that's not going to happen as, as much as it maybe no. you know, it should, or you know, or it would hurt Liverpool. That's just not going to happen. I think if if there's any stadium ban, it'll be a suspended one, and it'll be a case of if this is a repeat next season, if you're in the Champions League or Europa League or wherever, then we might impose a stadium ban when you're playing, you know, Shakhtar Donetsk or 20-inch Gouda or something like that. They're certainly not going to impose a stadium ban if Liverpool are about to play Barcelona, Real Madrid or Bayern Munich. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think UEFA aren't going to take the decision until May anyway, so that which kind of allows them to avoid that issue of, of having a stadium ban for the semi-final. And Johnny, you, I mean, you asked the question about it happening at, at um, other stadiums. Um, I've been to a lot of football matches. That's the first match I've ever been to that I'm aware of where the the bus of one of the teams going to the match was attacked by opposition fans. Um, I'm not saying it hasn't happened elsewhere. And obviously the, there's the example, the terrible example what happened to Borussia, at the Borussia Dortmund game um, last season, I think. Um, and, and Pep Guardiola brought that up, you know, when he was taught, when he was he, he was clearly angry after the game at Anfield, um, trying to be careful with his words. But he did he did mention what had happened um, at Borussia Dortmund and 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 felt, you know, that this had gone beyond acceptable levels and and needs to be dealt with. Okay, guys. Well, um, we're getting to the end of the mini pod, so we're just going to go ahead and look at what the score is going to be in our quick fire round. So, I'm going to start with you, Ian. As I said, uh, Johnny, I think Liverpool will score away from home, uh, and I reckon it'll be three-one Manchester City, which means Liverpool eke through on away goals. Uh, sorry, it'll be four-three. Sorry, in aggregate. Um, and uh, if it is that, then we're in for a real thriller, and I hope we are. Duncan. Uh, well, I, I'm not very good at predictions, as you'll remember from last week, because you, you, Johnny, said you thought Liverpool would win easily, and Ian, you thought Liverpool would get through. Um, and I said I thought Manchester City would, would win easily as, as long as Guardiola did something to deal with Mo Salah. Don't worry, Duncan, we're not betting on your opinions here. We just want yeah, to hear it. <laughs> I, would re- I would recommend that no one bets on my opinions at any point. Um, I, I think it will be 2-2 tonight. I think... Um, I think Liverpool get a couple of goals and I think that Manchester City are um, very tired and I don't think they've got it in them to, to turn the game around once once uh, Liverpool got a goal against them. Well, I think it's going to be 4-2, guys. I think it's going to be an epic, titanic, attacking festival of football, but obviously that won't be enough to send Manchester City through. 
Okay, well, we're going to be back tomorrow with a full podcast uh, with our standard fare. We'll review, obviously, the game and we'll look at some of the big transfer news as it hits. Until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>